Luke chapter 10. Um, man, I tell you, this, this past weekend with uh, Brother Josh Hollingsworth, man, it opened up all kinds of things for me. I, um, I had never really, uh, you know, really put that much stock uh, into dreams. Um, you know, I, 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 was, I, I cut my teeth in the, in the uh, once I got over into the charismatic side of things, on Brother Hagen, and Brother Hagen was, um, you know, if you ever read any of Brother Hagen's books and, and followed his story at all, you know, he had visions, he had encounters with God, uh, you know, he had he had those those face to face, you know, just uh, meetings with with Jesus Himself, and and just incredible, um, you know, visions and incredible things like that. So, so this week I, I really. Uh, you know, I was praying, and I just, I was like, Lord, you know, I want to, I want to, I want to see more of that. I want to, I want to experience more of that. So, so he he told me just to go back. I just felt impressed to go back and and pick up some of uh, some of Brother Hagen's stuff. And and it had been a little while since I'd picked up any of his books. So, so I went back and I, and I really had it on my heart to uh, to read this book. And uh, and this was a book. This is probably one of my favorite books that he's written besides the Believer's Authority. But the name of this book is Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits. And this is a book about, um, mainly about one of his visions, but there's, he's, he talks about really about three or four of them, probably of his encounters with God. And if you've never read this book, I would encourage you to read it. It's an incredible book. But, but especially for ministers, especially for people in the ministry, this is an incredible book because God, God, uh, Jesus himself, when, he, when, G, when Brother Hagin had this vision, uh, it was in July of 1987 that uh, he had this vision, and it was like a week before uh, camp meeting, and, and Brother Hagin had this out-of-body experience where he was lifted out of his body and, and him and Jesus were standing over the Tulsa Convention Center where the camp meeting was going to be held. And, and uh, Jesus started talking to him about a lot of things about his ministry, correcting him on some things, showing him ways to do things better and different things like that. But one of the main things that, that, uh, that this book really, that I got out of this book again, as, even as I read it this week, was that um, you know one of the things that brother or that Jesus was talking to brother Hagen about was the fact that um, that so many people and and people around the world that they they come up with their own plans instead of come instead of asking God what his plan is and um, time and time again you know um, and, and we've said this you know because so much of the time what happens is we come up with a good idea we come up with a good plan and then we, we get busy with it and we start to implement it. And then we're like, oh yeah, I forgot to pray about this. Lord, would you please bless what I'm doing? You know, and, and the thing that we learn is this. The thing that you'll learn is like when you, when you get God's plans on something, you don't even have to pray for Him to bless it. You, you know, I mean, does anybody know why? Because if it's His plan, it's already blessed. And He's in the middle of it. So you don't have to invite him to come and, and help out in the middle of the plan because it's his plan, and he knows it. But most of the time, you know, there's scriptures in uh, uh, Proverbs fourteen twelve. There's a scripture that says that you know there, there's a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof leads to destruction. You know, and sometimes I mean, and, and if I ask for a show of hands, I won't because uh, I mean, well, every hand would raise or should raise. But if I ask for a show of hands of how many people have ever come up with their own plan and, and tried to do things their own way and not, and not involve God in it. Now, we don't, we don't start out with the intention of not involving, not involving God. We just get so wrapped up in ourselves that we, that we get a good thought and we think that it's a God thought and we just start running with it before we really invite God to come in and help. And, you know, so what, what we have to learn to do is we have to learn to take a step back and ask God what His plans are what his plan for our life, what his plan for a job, what his plan for a for a future, what his plan for you know whatever it is that you're that you're about to make a decision on, and and then get God involved in it. And when we get God involved in it, then that's that's when things can happen. You know, uh, you, you've always heard uh, people tell their kids, you know, you can be anything you want to be. You know, when they're little, you can be anything you want to be. But really, you know, that's not that's not the best way to teach our kids. What we should teach our kids is this. You need to find out what God wants you to be and then be the best at that. You know, because, because if, they just, if they just come up with their own idea about doing something, they'll waste years in college, waste lots of money, they'll waste, waste years of their life 
And then all of a sudden, when they get to be 25, 30, 35, they'll come up and say, you know, I, I just never really felt like I was supposed to be doing that anyway. I really, I always wanted to do this. And, you know, God, it always kind of felt like God wanted me to go this way, but, but I had already started this and I, I was in college and I was doing this and doing that. And, you know, people waste years of their lives because they come up with their own plan and their own things and they, they, don't, they don't come to God first to get the plan. People miss God all the time. When they may be in the middle of God's, in the middle of God's will and another opportunity comes up. I've seen people move, I've seen people move across the country because of an opportunity and not even think about, you know, where they're going to go to church, what kind of school system the kids are going to be in. Amen. I mean, people, people will move for money. People will move for all kinds of things. But how many of you know that, that just because a job pays well, it may not be the best thing that God has for you? Amen. And, you know, so, so what, I want to, what I want to show you this morning, what I want to share with you this morning is, is the fact that when we get God involved, you know, I, I, um, before, before we left to go to Hawaii, that Sunday night in prayer, I shared this uh, vision with you guys, I think, last week, um, or sometime, I believe. I, I can't remember when I shared this with you, but when, the Sunday we got back. But we were in prayer that Sunday night before we left to go to, to Hawaii, and, and I had the vision of, of uh, I, I sat down here on the, on the stage, and as soon as I sat down, I saw, uh, you know, the way the Lord deals with me, the way the Lord works with me a lot of times, I talked to Joseph, jo, uh, Josh about this, and uh, and you know he shares some insight into into that as well. But but the way the Lord uh, the way the Lord works with me a lot of times is that I'll see a picture of something, and I won't necessarily see a moving vision per se. But I'll see a picture, and I'll just know everything about it. You know, and 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 uh, and this is what happened. I sat down on the stage, and I saw I saw this picture of um, you know when I sat down, I saw like that Sunday morning. I saw the the Sunday morning service. And it was like when everybody left, I saw all these angels like standing right behind all the seats where people were sitting in. And then, and then I saw another picture, and it was the parking lot. And as cars were leaving, uh, cars were driving off and, and getting on the road and going to lunch or whatever, I saw angels standing behind the cars where the cars were parked. And, you know, and, I, and I was thinking, why, you know, why are all these angels just standing around? And, but then the Lord shared with me, He started talking to me that night about how that... that um, that so many people never invite God to go with them in places that they go. That, you know, like, like they'll come to church and the presence of the Lord will be powerful and, and things will be awesome, but then when we get up to leave, we, we, kind of, we kind of leave God here and then we get in our car and we go about our daily, daily routine until next time we come to church and then that's where God is. And, and, you know, and then we wonder why we struggle. And, you know, so the Lord was saying, he, he, was, he shared with me that night, and I shared with those in prayer, and I believe this is still true, and, and this ties right in with what we're talking about today, that what, what I heard in that was that the Lord was saying that He wants us to invite Him to come into our life, into every aspect of our life. He wants us to invite Him to go to work with us. He wants, I mean, and you say, well, he lived, he's inside of me. I know, you know, he'll go where I, yeah, but listen, there's a difference between him just being there and you welcoming him to go with you. There's a big difference in that. And, you know, so, so instead of just, instead of just assuming that God's always going to be there and assuming that, that God's going to bless what you're doing, why don't we, why don't we get to the place where we, where we invite him to be a part of everything we do? Hey, if I'm going to go, if I'm going to go back to my office and sit down and study, Lord, hey, hey, Lord, let's go, come, come study with me, come help me. You know, if I'm going to go to the store, Lord, come protect me as I'm traveling. Come, come, show me somebody I need to talk to while I'm driving down the road, or stop and and you know minister to. Amen. Lord, help me, help me at work today. Lord, I invite you to go with me to work today. And Father, I've been having trouble with this person, and they've been they've been really distracting and really really annoying me. And Lord, show me. Lord, I invite you to go with me to help me to know how to deal with this person. Instead of instead of on the way to work saying, "Dear Lord, I got to deal with that person again." There's <laughs> a little bit different different prayer there, isn't it? You know, but we, but God wants to invite, He wants us to invite Him to be part of everything. Now, in that vision that Brother Hagen, where Brother Hagen saw Jesus in, in uh, July of 1987, 
Um, I, I want to read just a part of it, um, and this is what Jesus this is what Jesus told Brother Hagen. And uh, and I, I thought this was just relevant for us this morning, uh, talking about the plans the plans of God in our lives. But um, but Brother Hagen said, you know, he he was up in the air above the convention center. He could see the people down in the convention center there. And and, uh, and he said this. He said, uh, in contrast to man's plans, he said, I could, I could all of a sudden start to see God's plan. And then the Lord spoke to me and He said this. And this is Jesus speaking to Brother Hagin. He says, I bless all of my people as far as I can. But the reason there is not the move of God and the depth of the flow of the Spirit and the fullness of the manifestation of the Holy Ghost today is because men do not take time to hear from me. And they do not take time to follow my plan set forth in the Scriptures. The more closely you follow my plan, the more my power will be in demonstration and in manifestation. And that's powerful, isn't it? And Brother Hagin went on to say this. He said, many times the reason people fail... And the reason ministries fall or fail is because they have the wrong plan, the wrong purpose, and the wrong motive. Whatever you're going to do, whatever you are doing for God, ask yourself, is this God's plan? You know, is this, is this God's plan or is, my, or, or is this my plan? And you might think, you know, well, now how, do, how do you go about doing that? How do you, you know, where do you even start on that? Well, let's look here in Luke chapter 10, and, and this is a, a very familiar uh, passages uh, is interesting. I've heard like I've heard like uh, probably four ministers minister on this passage in the last week. Um, I went to healing school Tuesday, and and uh, Pastor John ministered on this passage. Opened up Kenneth Copeland's uh, Kenneth Copeland's uh, newsletter, July newsletter. He was ministering on this passage. Turned on the TV. Heard Bill Johnson talk the other day, or, or on the internet, and uh, Bill Johnson was ministering on this passage. And I was just like, okay, God, you're trying to get my attention here. You know, I get it. And uh, but this, this so this is a very familiar passage, and if you and if you heard any of those uh, things, you know, if you watch much or listen or whatever, you you probably heard some minister on this this week as well. But this is in Luke chapter ten, verse thirty-eight. Luke chapter ten, verse thirty-eight, and this is the story when Jesus comes to Mary and Martha's house, and uh, you know, so it's very familiar. But let's just read through it now through verse forty-two. It says, "Now it came to pass as they went." that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now notice that. You know, Martha, Martha received him into the house, and she had a sister, but it says that Mary sat down at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Verse 40. It says, But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to him, came to Jesus, interrupted. Jesus is teaching. You know, he's here teaching a house. Now, let's let's pause just for a second. How many, you know, because because sometimes we give Martha a hard time. You know, we're hard on Martha. You know, well, she shouldn't have interrupted Jesus. She shouldn't have, you know, she should have just, you know, done this and done that. But listen, there could have been anywhere from 16 to 76 people in her house. And the reason I... Or 86 people. The reason I say that is because if it was just Jesus and His disciples, that would have been 12 and 13 counting Jesus and then Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. So that would have been at least 16 people that Mary's have, or that Martha is having to, to fix supper for. Now, any of y'all that cook, or you ladies especially, you know it's not easy to cook for 16 people. You know, you just don't, you don't go in the kitchen for two minutes and whip something up. You know, so it takes time. But at the first of this chapter, in chapter number 10, the very first of this chapter, this is where Jesus commissions the 70 to go out. And then they come back and report to Him. And so it very well could have been, they may have been, the 70 may have been with Him. There could have been up to almost 90 people there in that meeting when Jesus comes to Martha's house. We don't know how many is there. But I'm just giving you, it could, be, it could be anywhere from, from 16 to 90. So you can see why Martha would be concerned about trying to fix something to eat. Because that's a lot of people, right? But it says here, it says, But Martha was cumbered about much, with much serving, and came to him, interrupted him, and said, Lord, 
Do you not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. So, you know, she went and interrupted, interrupted Jesus and said, said, Jesus, don't you... He said, you know, because here... Because, now, get this scene. Martha's in the kitchen working. She's in the kitchen, you know, trying to get, trying to get lunch ready, trying to get supper ready, whatever time it was. And then she keeps, looking, she keeps expecting Mary to come help her. And she hears Jesus talking and she keeps thinking, well, she'll be here in a second. She'll be here any second. I'll do this until she gets here. And then finally, finally she's had enough. She looks out the, she opens the door a little bit and she looks. And there's that lazy Mary sitting down at his feet, just looking up at Jesus. Just listen, sitting there not doing nothing, but just listening. So she says, well, I'll, she says, I know Jesus. He, Jesus probably just don't, he doesn't, he doesn't realize she's there. I'll, I'll go set this straight. So she goes, Lord, don't you care that I'm in here doing all this work? Tell Mary, tell Mary to get up and come help me. Now, like we said, Mary had or Martha, you know, in 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 the in the scope of the story, we would all kind of look at Martha and 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 have compassion on her and say, well, she's just trying to provide for Jesus and the and the people that are there. And so when he gets through teaching, they're going to be hungry, and and she's you know she's wanting to make sure that they have food and they have provision and they have water and stuff. And and so so Martha was right. To be to be concerned about this stuff, right? I mean, you know, if you look at it from the from the from the you know the, just the story itself. But I want you to notice something very important here: Jesus' response to Mary or to Martha. I mean, so she comes and interrupts his teaching and says, "You know, don't you, don't you care? Isn't it? This is like the third time. This is one of the three times that we see the disciples or other people asking Jesus, throwing that comment out there. Don't you care?" You remember when the when the ship was sinking, the disciples go to him and say, "Don't you care that we're drowning?" <laughs> you know, if they only realized, if they only really knew who they were talking to, right? I mean, of course he cares, and of course he's concerned about every part of our life. But notice, notice what he said here. It says in Jesus, verse forty-one. It says, "And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha." You are careful. Now that word careful, that's an interesting word. That word careful, it comes from, comes from the, the Greek word marinanu or something like that. But it means a divided mind. It means a dual mind. It means having two thoughts. He says, you are, he says, he says, you are careful or you're, you're double-minded and you're troubled about many things. In other words, in other words, what, what he was saying is like, you've got so many thoughts on your mind, you don't know which way you're going. And, and then verse 42, he throws the bomb down. He says, but one thing is needful. Jesus said, one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Wow. Jesus, in, uh, in the Amplified, he says it this way. Uh, verse 41 and 42, it says, But the Lord uh, replied to her, saying, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. There is, there is, need, only, uh, there is, only, there is need of only one or but a few things. But, uh, but Mary has chosen the good portion, that which is to her advantage. Notice that. Jesus told, Jesus told Martha, Mary has chosen that which is to her advantage. And says, which shall not be taken away from her. The Passion Translation, I like this, the Passion Translation says this, The Lord answered her and said, Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by all of these many distractions? Are they really that important? Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted, and I won't take this privilege from her. Man, isn't that good? I like that. He says she is undistracted, and I won't take that privilege from her. So what Jesus told, what Jesus told Martha, and the, the, the example He gave there was this. He said, Martha, He said, Supper will, food will take care of itself. 
He said, Mary has learned, Mary has, has, has realized, she's got the revelation, that my words are more important than even the food that you eat. Because, here's the, here's the thing, because if you get my word, then you can get food. Look what Jesus did with just a, a, a fish and a couple of loaves of bread. He blessed it, broke it, gave it to His disciples, and they fed a multitude. What Jesus was saying is when you get my word, when you get the revelation of what I'm saying, then all these other things that you're worried about, the food and the provision and, the, and how's this going to happen, how's that's going to happen, once you get a revelation of my word, then all that other stuff will take care of itself. He called it the one needful thing. One thing. And he said, Mary found it. What is it? It's to sit at his feet and be focused on what he's saying. What, what was the secret Brother Hagen I shared with you earlier? Brother Hagen, that, that group of ministers asked him and said, uh, said what's your secret to success? Brother Hagen told him, he said, he said, my secret to success is to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say and then do it. How do you think he hears what the Holy Spirit has to say? He takes time to sit at the Master's feet. You won't find... Listen, most of the time, if you're up busy being distracted, you're not going to hear the voice. Because when you get distracted, what happens? You know, it, it just... Well, distraction, I mean, that's what it is. It distracts you. It breaks the flow. It, it, you know, if you're, if you're trying to think about something and you get distracted, then all of a sudden you're not thinking about what you need to think about. You're thinking about everything else. Now, think about this for a moment. Brother Copeland put this in his letter, and, and I had never really thought about this. Um, who, who else was in the room when Jesus was telling Mary and Martha this? His disciples were in the room, right? And, and later on, turn over to 1 Peter. Turn over to 1 Peter. And let's notice something that Peter said. 1 Peter uh, chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. <clears throat> and uh, Peter was in the room here when Jesus was, when Jesus was sharing this with, uh, with Martha and Mary when he was having this discussion with them. Could it be that Peter learned a valuable lesson while he was, sitting, while he, while he was hearing Jesus instruct Mary and Martha, or really Martha, about you know, responding to her question. But when, when Jesus, Jesus told Martha, Mary has found the one thing, one thing is needful, and that's to sit at, to sit at you know, my feet and hear my words. Peter, later on, in, in, uh, you know, because Peter, of course, was written later, uh, he said this in, in 1 Peter 5, verse, uh, we'll just look at, well, let's just start in verse 5. He says, likewise, you younger, submit, submit yourselves to the elders. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. But look at verse 7. He says, casting all of your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Um, from the Amplified, verse 7 says this, Casting the whole of your care, all of your anxieties, all of your worries, all of your concerns, once and for all on Him, for He cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Now, could it be that Peter saw what he told Martha and he said, you know, the one thing that's needful is to keep my eyes focused on Jesus. And when I keep my eyes focused on Jesus, I can cast all of my care on Him. I can cast all of my worry, all of my anxiety. Because see, what, what was it that Jesus said Mary had? You're full of anxiety. You're, full of, you're being troubled about all these other things. And He says, but Martha or Mary has found the key, and that's to sit at my feet. Peter just relays it this way. He says, what you have to do is cast all your cares on Him. All your anxieties, all your fears, all your troubles, all your, all your thoughts, just cast them on the Lord. Why? Because He cares for you. He heard in that, that morning, that He very well could have, we don't know for sure, but, but it's, a, it's an interesting thought. He heard in Jesus' voice, 
when, when he responded to Martha, the love and the concern that he had for her. Martha, you know, it wasn't, Martha, I've told you a hundred times, quit worrying. That wasn't the way it was. It was Martha, Martha, dear Martha. You know, you're so worried about these things. Just sit at, the, sit at my feet like Mary and, and, and just learn, learn to rest here. All these other things will take care of themselves. There's no need for you to be so full of anxiety, so full of all these troubles. Just sit, rest. This will take care of itself. You see, and Peter, Peter picked up on that and he said, and so what Peter took out of it was like, man, when all this stuff's going on and all this crazy stuff's happening, you just got to cast them up on Jesus because He cares affectionately for you. And He loves you. And He wants to take all of those things and, and just take that weight off of you so that, so, that you, so that you can enjoy life. Amen. James, Jesus' brother. In James chapter 1, turn over to James chapter 1. Because remember that one word that we, we talked about, that word uh, you know, where Jesus says you're careful about many things. He, that word, that, if you look that word up, it means you're, you, you've got a divided spirit. In other words, you've got two, two different thoughts, a divided mind, a divided soul actually is what it means. So you've got two different thoughts, you know, because, because, because don't you know that Martha was sitting in there saying, well, I wish I could go sit at his feet, but I've got to do this work. I wish I could just go in there and sit down and, and listen to what Jesus says, but who's going to do the, cook, the cooking? See, a divided two thoughts. James, who was, who was very well there that same, in that same meeting, when he heard, he heard Jesus say this, James says this about having a divided thought. In James chapter 1, verse 6, James says this, but let him ask in faith. Well, verse 5 says this, if any of you lack wisdom... Let him ask of God that giveth liberally to all men, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given unto him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the, of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways." So James looked at that, and James says, James says, you know, you can't have two thoughts. You can't be thinking about cooking supper and then sitting at the feet of Jesus and get the benefit of both of them. Just in that story, right? You, you, can't, have, you can't have the thought, well, well I, know, I know God's Word says that, I know God's Word says that, that, that He's healed me, but you know what? The doctor said that this is incurable. You know, the doctor says, I'll always be on medicine for this. I know what the Word says, but... Boy, them big butts get in the way. You know, because listen, anytime you hear somebody say, but, it automatically disqualifies the first statement. Well, I know God, but... Really, what they believe is after the but. What they... You know what they maybe wish they believed, or what what they what they hope one day would happen came before the but. But when somebody and somebody interjects that word, you know, well, I know what God's word says, but you know, my situation's different. Well, that automatically shows you they disqualified what God said, and they've got their own plan. Yep. You've got, to, you've got to say, yeah, I'm, yeah. He's, Gary said reverse it. You, what we should be saying is, well, I know what the doctor said, but God's Word says this. I know what everybody's saying about that, but here's what God's Word says. I know in the past I've always acted that way, but with God's help, here's, here's, what, here's the direction I'm going today. Here's the path I'm taking today. Here's the plan of God for today. Amen. Um. The Passion Translation says this of James of that scripture in James there. Uh, it says, Just make sure you ask, empowered by confident faith, without doubting that you will receive. For the oblivious person believes one minute and doubts the next. Being undecided makes you become like the rough seas, driven and tossed by the wind. You're up one minute and tossed down the next. When you are half-hearted and wavering, it leaves you unstable. 
Can you really expect to receive anything from the Lord when you're in that condition? You know, so we don't want to... Brother Hagin always called them yo-yo Christians. You know, up, up one minute and down the next. You know, we don't want to be a yo-yo Christian. Well, how do we, how do we, get, how do we get not to be a yo-yo Christian? We've got to have a single mind. We've got to have a single thought. We've got, we got to stay focused on what God says. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. I know I'm giving you quite a few scriptures here, but, but they're better than my thoughts anyway. They're better than any of our thoughts. Amen? They're His thoughts. Remember, we're wanting His plans, right? Matthew chapter 6. If you can, listen, if you can find scripture for it, man, you've got, you got, you got an inroad to it. Amen? Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 and 23 says this, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. Think about that. If you, if you can get your mind focused on one thought, one, one, you know, if you can get your mind focused on God and keep your mind on God, your whole body will be filled with light. But verse 23 shows the, the back side of that. It says, but if your eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore that light, if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? So in other words, where he says that your eye be evil, and actually, I think, let's see, does the Amplified, let me see what the Amplified says there on that. Um, yeah, the Amplified says, but if your eye is unsound, your whole body will be full of darkness. So in other words, if, if you're looking at the wrong thing, if you're looking at the right thing, your whole body will be full of light. But if you're looking at natural circumstances, if you're looking at just what, what you have experienced, if you're looking at just, just what everybody else is saying about it, then he says, you know what? Your, your body will be full of darkness. And he says, if the light that's in you is dark, how dark it is. Because, and, and what does Jesus say about the truth? He says the truth is what will set you free. The truth that you know and act on, that's what will set you free. So putting all these scriptures together, what is it talking about? Jesus said, Jesus said that if you, that, that Mary had discovered that one thing that was needful, and that was to sit at his feet and get a revelation of what Jesus is saying. We could say it this way. We could say that Mary was getting the plan of God. And once she got the plan, then she could carry, she could go forward from there. And, and, and walk out that plan that she received from Jesus because that plan will be blessed. And as she walks out that plan and as she walks out the, the, the callings and the, the callings of God and the plan of God in her life, then, then as she stays focused on that and keeps her eyes on, on God and follows His instructions, the Bible says that her whole body would be filled with light, which brings instruction. Uh, the psalmist says, you know, your, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So if you're focused on the word and you're focused on the revelation of the word, what does it do? It lights the path in front of you. And if the path is lit, you're, you're a whole lot less likely to stumble. You know, you stumble and fall when it's dark and when, when you can't see what's, what, what, where you're walking. Then you'll stumble and you'll fall. But the Word, the revelation, the Word of the, revel, the, the revelation of the Word and what Jesus is saying to us, it brings light to our path. You see, all these Scriptures, man, they all tie in together. And it builds us a picture that shows us that when we find that one thing, when we find that one thing, it will it will just it will set us on the right path to 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 have success in everything that we do. Why? Because it's his plan. It's his purpose. And when we pursue that, that's when the blessings will come in our lives. The problem is the problem comes the the problem you know comes in is when we when we think and I'll say this but but we don't really have this thought but but our actions show that it's true. The problem is, is when we have the thought that we know more than God. Because when, when God tells you to do something and you do something opposite, you're telling Him, I know better than you. Now, I don't know, I don't think anybody in this room would ever look God in the eye and say, I know better than you do. But what's, what's, the, what's the old saying? 
Actions speak a lot louder than words. So if you, if you truly believe that God knows best, then are you doing what He tells you to do? Because, because what you find out is this. A lot of times you'll hear people say, well, it costs too much to serve the Lord. In other words, what they mean by that, and I've had people tell me that, what they mean by that is they don't want to give up their sin to serve God. You know, they're enjoying their lifestyle too much. You know, it's, it's the story, Brother Hagin always tells that story about, about the, uh, the young lady that come, come down one, one day and, uh, in one of his services, and he told her, he said, uh, you know, she had a question about being born again. She wasn't born again. And, he's, and she says, but I love to dance. And he told her, says, well, sister, you can dance all you want to after you get saved. And she says, really? He said, well, yeah, you can dance all you want to. And she says, well, great. She says, well, I'll get saved then. She said, because I'd always told that I couldn't go dancing once I got saved. So I, I didn't want to get saved, you know. And he said, no, you can dance all you want to. So she got born again, you know, and, and, and a few months later he was back in that church. He was an evangelist then. A few months later he was back in that church and this, this young girl comes up to him just with a big smile on her face and she sticks her finger out at Brother Hagin. She says, you tricked me. And he says, what are you talking about? And, and she said, you told me I could dance all I wanted to when I got born again and got saved. And he said, well, and she says, I lost the desire to go dancing. And he says, well, you're dancing all you want to, aren't you? She said, yeah. But she said, but you tricked me. <laughs> but she says, but I'm so glad you did. You know, because God will change you if you'll allow him to. You know, but here's the, here's the thing. When you, caught, when you count the cost, you know, the Bible says that, that, that a king will count the cost before he goes to war. You know, because if, if the cost is too great, it's best that he not go to war. In other words, if he's, if, if the, if he's, if he's outnumbered and he knows he's going to get beat, then why go? You know, but what he says is, you know, that, that everybody will count the cost. And see, and so when we count the cost to serving God, we'll find out this. It never, it never costs more than God pays. Now, listen, it may be hard on your flesh to begin with. You know, when you get born again and you start, you, God starts cleaning your life up, pruning sometimes is never easy. But you know what? Pruning makes, makes room for new growth. And you'll never get new growth without pruning. And the thing you find out about Jesus is this. He doesn't prune, he doesn't, he doesn't prune in anger. He prunes in love. You know, every time you see Jesus pruning the disciples... The disciples, James and John that time, came to him and, and they had been to a city and they rejected him. And, and James and John came to him and says, says, you want us to call fire down from heaven like, like you know, the prophets did of old and just burn the whole city up? You know, and Jesus just like, said, said, guys, you don't, you, don't know what, you, know, you don't know what's behind that thought. You know, and what was he doing? He wasn't rebuking them in anger. He was just trimming them. He was pruning them. Saying, you get, guys, you've got to think like me now. You've got to think like the Father. And see, and every time we have a wrong thought, every time we, every time, because, and see, that's the way God works with us. With grace, that's what happens. When we sin, God doesn't correct us in anger. He corrects us in love saying, you're better than that. You don't need to do that anymore. You know, you don't have to act that way anymore. You don't have to respond that way anymore. What's He doing? He's pruning us, but He's doing it with love. Because if He can get that, if He can get that, that, that root or that branch of anger off of us, then it's replaced with, with a branch of love. Amen. And you see, so, so the, the, the thought process here is this. What I want you to see today is this. That one thing that is needful, that one thing that everybody in this room needs, every single one of us, the one thing that we need is the revelation of God's Word in our life. And that looks many, many different ways, Right? I mean, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is our teacher. He's our God. He'll show us things to come. You know, so the Holy Spirit helps us. God's given us everything that we need to be successful in life. He set us up. It's, listen, our life is a setup. It is a setup. But the awesome thing is, it's a setup for good. The Bible says that the path that He created for us is fenced in and full of blessings just waiting for us to discover it. It's a setup. God set us up for success. And our part is to, to be that one thing, 
focused on one thing, and that's, that's just doing what God said to do. Being in His presence. We sang that song this morning, that one thing. You know, that, in that third song I think we sung had that in there, that, that just to be in His presence, to, to get a revelation of the goodness of God. You know, the one thing. And you can say that one thing many ways, because, because listen, if, if, if you say the one thing is just to be in His presence, well, that's true, because in His presence you'll get that revelation. If you say the one thing is just to know Him better, well, if you know Him better, then you'll get a revelation of what He's saying. You know, so all, all of those things, however you want to word that one thing, then the main thing is just the one thing should be Him. The answer is Jesus. What's the one thing? Jesus. Spend time in His presence. Spend time at His feet. Spend time in His lap. Spend time listening. And you see what, what, what that requires of us? And here's, here's the part where I may lose some of you. What that requires of us is our time. It requires us to turn the TV off, to put the newspaper down, to put a hobby down, to put our phones down, get off Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Oh, oh me! But, but if if we're if we if we want to be focused on that one thing, it's going to take us laying some other stuff down. Because listen, here's here's the thing about God, and it's no different than you. Listen, God, we're made in His image. We're made. You know, think about you and your spouse for just a moment. What, what if, what if, you know, what if your spouse, uh, what if your spouse, the only time they talked to you is when they needed something? Think about the only time they said anything was when they were in a when they were in a pinch or when they were in trouble. Oh, come help me! Come help me! Come help me! And then as soon as you get through helping them, you don't hear from them or you don't see them again for three or four days. Now, how long do you think that relationship would last? It wouldn't last very long, would it? I mean, for most people. I mean, in other words, it wouldn't be a good relationship. You know, what, what builds a relationship? I, I tell this story all the time, but, you know, when Stacy and I met, she was going to Liberty University and I was living in Boone. And, um, and you know, and then, she, then right after we met, she ended up, uh, she went to Liberty for a semester and then moved back home. And she moved back to Knoxville. And it was like a three-hour drive, but you know what? I would, I would. There were times, there were times I would work all day, get in my car, drive three hours just to spend thirty minutes with her. Drive, turn back around, drive three hours so I could be back to work the next day. Didn't think nothing about it. Why? Because I wanted to be with her. I just wanted to see her. Didn't think nothing about it. Well, see, God wants God just wants our heart to where we just want to be with Him. And if that means if that means sitting in our room for a couple hours without the TV, without the without the phone, without anything, just sitting there in His Word, praying, worshiping, then I promise you that will not be time wasted. That one thing that Mary found. Jesus, I love the way the Passion put it. Jesus says, says, says she found, says she found, she found the, 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 says she's undistracted, and he said, he said, I will not take that privilege from her. The privilege of being undistracted in his presence. Wow. So, friend, I, I just, today, I just, I, I want you to hear my heart in this, is that if we're going to walk in the supernatural, if we're going to, if we're going to have, um, Everything that God wants us to have, it'll take sacrifice on our part. And that sacrifice is just time. That sacrifice is spending time with Him, praying and, and getting in the Word and, and worship. And, uh, you know. but, but here's the thing. Once you start doing that, you won't miss it. You'll realize that that's, time, that that's, that's the best time that you've ever spent. Man, I can I can turn I come in this I come in here and and a lot of times during the day when I'm up here by myself and I'll put I'll just put worship music on and and I'll just come and just and sometimes I'll just sit up here or sit in a seat or walk around and sometimes an hour two hours will go by and and it'll seem seem just like a minute 
And you know, and it's not, it's not, that's, I don't, I don't consider that wasted time. I consider that time in His presence. And you know, any time that you get in His presence, you know what happens. You start looking more like Him. You start talking more like Him. You start acting more like Him. But then here's the thing, here's the kicker. When all that starts happening, you start receiving things just like Him. Jesus never prayed one prayer that went unanswered. Every prayer that He ever prayed was answered. I want to be like Jesus. Amen. But to be like Jesus, you know what? You've got to talk like Him. You've got to think like Him. You've got to respond to circumstances like Him. Respond to people like Him. And you can only do it when you get a revelation of His Word and His heart. Amen? And that comes with spending more time, more time in His presence. The thing, the, thing about the, the, the thing about the kingdom is this. It's the only place where the more you eat, the hungrier, the hungrier you get. The more you drink, the thirstier you get. In the natural, you know, you eat a big meal. Stacy and I, you know, we, we ate out yesterday. We went to the hospital, visited some, someone, and we went out to eat afterwards. And we couldn't even finish our meal. We were both stuffed. You know, you eat so much and then you just can't eat no more. But see, in the kingdom, the more you eat, the Bible says to take His Word and to eat it. And the more you eat of it, you just got to have more of it and more of it and more of it. The more you drink of the Spirit, the more you drink of Him, the more you want to drink. So see, the awesome thing is, is like once you get used to spending 30 minutes with Him, an hour will be nothing. Because it's it, it'll be it'll be the best time of your day, and you'll you'll get to where you you'll get to where you'll try to find time just to be with him. You'll try to sneak in an extra ten minutes so you can open his word, so you can turn on a worship song. You know, just so you can just be in his presence. Well, Pastor, I've I've never I've never really uh, had a desire to do that. Well, then you just you need to get to know him better. Because when you get to know Him, you want to spend more time with Him. He's the best thing that will ever happen to any of us. Amen? And as at, the more we spend time with Him, the more we're focused on that one thing, the more and more revelation will flow, the more and more power will flow. You know, what did Brother Hagin say there? He said, he said you know, the, Jesus told him in 1987, Jesus told him the reason that that most that you know people weren't flowing in those things is because they they wouldn't take the time. They wouldn't take the time to be with him. I invite you guys. Listen, I invite you to go on a journey. This you know we have we have six months left of this year, 2019. Let's go on a journey together to know him more than we ever have. To get him more involved in every aspect of our life like we've never done before. To invite Him to come into every, every aspect of our lives and create such a friendship with Him, such a bond with Him, such a, such a relationship with Him that, you, that just like you know, most, people, most people talk about you, know, you don't leave the house without your keys and your phone, well, that, that get to the place where, where you, you wouldn't even dream about leaving the house without Jesus with you. And I know He's, I know he's with us and He's in us. And, I mean, I know that. But, but see, we've got, we've got to start thinking We've got to start, start, start uh, making it real. Not just, oh, well, Jesus is in me. Yeah, I know. No, He's in me. I mean, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me. I, I don't want to do anything to hinder that relationship. Man, I want that relationship to be wide open and to flow. Amen? So I invite you guys. Let's go on a journey these last six months. Let's make this the best, the best last half of the year that we've ever had. See more of God do things. See God use each one of us more. See God just do miracles through, through these hands. Because, because the reality is we are His hands and feet in this world. He has to use somebody. Why not us? Brother Hagin, uh, he, he had that one prophecy, and I, I think I wrote it down in here. This is, an old, this is the book I had when I was at Ramah. Um, but he had this one prophecy, and he said that, or he, he had a tongues interpretation, and he said this. He said, "This is the time. We are the people. 
This is the place of the moving of the Lord. But then he said this, he said, Anybody can, but everybody won't. But surely, somebody will. Let's be the people that says, I will. I will. Let's stand to our feet. I just feel... I just feel like today is just like like the Lord is just wanting those of you that want to. I, I mean, it's not. I'm not forcing you to do this, but those of you that want to, just just to um, just to make a dedication to the Lord, just to raise our hands and our hearts to Him, and say, Lord, you know, we know that that everybody can, most people won't, but somebody will, and I want to be the one that will. You know, if that's your heart this morning, I just want you to raise your hand, and I just I just want you to to just to tell the Lord this morning, you know, just by the lifting of your hand, just say, Lord, I want to be that person that will. I want to be the one you send. I want to be the one you use. I want to be the one, I want to be that vessel of honor, Father, that you can pour your Spirit through in this, this last half of 2019. Father, we're, we're believing for the supernatural. Father, we're believing the word you gave us at the first of this year was that, that 2019 would be a year that the supernatural would be our new natural. Father, we're, we're raising our hands this morning, those that are hungry, those that are wanting more of You. Father, we're raising our hands and our hearts this morning just simply saying, God, use us. Father, we're, we, we want to get that one thing. Father, we want, we, want to, we want to get our focus on that one thing, and that one thing is You. So, Father, as we focus on You, Father, we're lifting our hands and our hearts and we're saying, we will, Father. We will go. We will speak. We will, we will give. We'll do whatever it is You tell us to do. So, Father, I thank You. I pray blessings, Father. Now, Lord, I pray blessings on each one that's here. Lord, that's got a hungry heart, that has a, that has a heart to serve You, that has a heart to follow You, Lord, that has a heart just to, to, to uh, walk out the purposes, the plans and the purposes of God, to pursue Your plans and Your purposes, Father. And I just so I just pray blessings on each one right now. Now, Father, if there's a per, if there's anyone here today that has a has a need that needs healing, that needs salvation, that needs deliverance, Lord, whatever the needs are in this place today, my prayer today, Lord, is just that you would just overwhelm them right now, Lord, that you would just just touch their bodies right where they are, Lord, that they would receive healing, Lord, that they would receive salvation, that they would receive, Father, they would receive whatever it is that they that they came in here needing today. And that, Father, my prayer is that as we, as we say amen here in just a moment and walk out those back doors, Lord, that we will be different. That we will, Father, we will have made a dedication in our hearts to say, Lord, we will focus on that one thing this last, these last six months of this year. We'll focus on You, Father. So we thank You for that. We pray, we pray blessings, Father, on each person here today. And I thank You for for moving in their lives. Lord, answering prayers, just doing radical things for them here in in, uh, July of 2019, Father, this coming month. And we give You all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. Thank You, Father, for what You're doing. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let me...